Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You know, through all the adversity, I think I've, I've learned a lot about myself. And, um, you know, when you have the ups and downs, I think you... You know, you can learn just as much from the downs as you can the ups. And, um, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. And um, I think I've really just become a stronger pitcher through all all the adversity that I've had to go through. I think I've really learned that, you know, if I focus on the things that I can control, and I think I've, I've learned that I'm a perfectionist, I've learned that I'm a control freak, and in this game, it's very hard to be perfect. It's very hard to control control things. Um, but the one thing that you can control is is your approach and how you handle your business off the field. And when you go out there and compete, it's it's just it's just about execution. And um, you put in all the work in the off season, uh, in between starts to go out there and try and be the best version of yourself. And um, that's something you can control every time. There you heard from Steven Strasburg. And the reason I play that clip is I feel like that encapsulates a lot of his career. Ups and downs. You got to kind of learn how to work through things. And it just seemed like that answer was so mature and something that Strasburg had learned throughout his career. And that was after the 2019 World Series, after Game 7, after they'd won and he'd been named World Series MVP. And I just feel like that type of answer, where you can learn from the ups and downs, you got to prepare, you can control what only you can control. I feel like those sort of things just encapsulate what Strasburg was, right? So much stuff that happened for him, he couldn't control. He can't control that his elbow gave out his rookie season and he had to have Tommy John surgery. He couldn't control that he continued to have issues with injuries throughout his career. He couldn't control the fact that his nerve damage in his fingers was messing with his ability to pitch, and so he needed thoracic outlet syndrome. He couldn't fix the fact or control the fact that After that surgery, he couldn't get the feeling back and couldn't get back on the mound. Those are things that are ultimately out of the control of Steven Strasburg. And it sucks that that's kind of the end for Stras. But when he was able to control things and when he was able to be on the field, I thought he did a fantastic job of being the best pitcher he could be. And I think it all goes back to just how much he meant to this franchise. We've talked about that a bunch already. But think back to June 8th, 2010, and the excitement around the ballpark, the excitement that you felt as a Nationals fan. And just listen here as we go back and listen to the radio call for the 14th strikeout of his debut against the Pirates. With a chance of, let's go Strasburg, let's go Strasburg before the pitch. 
Listen to this. Nationals Park crowd. Two outs. Top of the seventh. No balls. Two strikes. The line. The kick. And the pitch. Swing and miss. 14 strikeouts. Seven in a row. Unbelievable. That may be all for the night. And they are saluting their new hero here in D.C. There's a new mayor in town, Dave. He won the election in one night. 14 strikeouts. Wow. As advertised, better than that. They want a curtain call. You almost don't want to go to break. Unbelievable. Just amazing. Just to hear the crowd, the excitement. And again, I feel like with Steven Strasburg, he's bigger than most players because when you think about this franchise and what it is, and I understand that you can say a lot of good things about Zim and the things that he's done. I understand all that. And Zim is still Mr. National and will forever be Mr. National. But when you think about Strasburg and where this team was and think about the years 2008, 2009, and the years before that, it's just forgettable Nationals teams. And that's understandable. They just relocated, coming back to Nets, coming back to D.C., moving to Nats Park, all the various little things that happened. But then June 18th, 20, or June 8th, 2010 happened. And it just seemed like that was the shift. It seemed like that was when this ball club became a respectable team, a team that was going to be competing. And I understand it took couple more years for them to finally get to the playoffs. You know, Harper gets thrown in there, too, in the mix, and he was big, too. I understand all those things, but Strasburg really got everything started that night, and it was cool to see. And so, me personally, I wasn't there June 8th, but I remember growing up, I was, I believe, 12 at the time, maybe 11 at the time, and my mom had bought me and my friend in high school, well, no, we weren't even in high school yet, <laughs> if you want to feel 2010, had bought me and my friend tickets as a celebration for school being out. And we'd bought them back in, I don't know, April, maybe May, but they were bought significantly before. And we were going to go June 18th against the White Sox. And I was a kid at the time who I didn't have a phone or anything like that. So sometimes you get on the laptop and look and... Who's starting that day? Who do we get to see? And at first, it was going to be Mark Burley for the White Sox. And I was pretty excited about that because Burley had just thrown, I believe it was either a perfect game or a no-hitter. You know, Alexi, yes! And all that stuff. The the great call there for the White Sox. And so it was going to be cool to see Mark Burley. But then as time kept going on, June 8th happens. You have Strasburg. And that means he's in line to start June 18th. And we were sitting front row in left field. On the way to the game, we stopped, and my mom bought me and my friend both Steven Strasburg t-shirts. I believe I got a red one, and he got a blue one, or maybe it was flipped. I can't remember exactly what color. But I wore that shirt for years and years, and that was my first experience with Steven Strasburg. And that night, he went seven innings, gave up four hits, one earned run, 10 strikeouts. He set the record for most strikeouts through three starts, 32 strikeouts. President Obama was at the game to see his beloved White Sox, but also to watch the sensation that was Steven Strasburg. And that's why I think that he is the most influential player. When Grant said it, I think that was really well said. Because when you think about this baseball team, 
Zim is still Mr. National, like I said, but Zim didn't draw the crowds. Zim didn't have the attention of everyone in baseball like Strauss did. All of baseball was tuned in to a Nationals game in 2010, and it was because Strasburg was on the mound. That's why. All the hype that was around him, and he showed up and lived up to all of it and exceeded it in a lot of ways. And I think that's what's so cool about Strasburg is that he had so much put on his plate. There were so many expectations for him, a pitcher that is throwing so hard and is striking everyone out in college. What's he going to do when he gets to the pros and he comes in and does very very much the same thing that he'd done in college? And so it was really cool to see that. And so he's the one that brought all the attention to D.C. and baseball again. He's the one that made it so that the Nationals were a team to pay attention to. Zim was awesome, but Strauss is the one that really put them on the map. And when you just look at some of his numbers overall throughout his career, a three-time All-Star, a Silver Slugger, World Series MVP, his career ERA is only a 324. 324. Over 1,700 Ks. His career strikeouts per nine is seventh all-time among pitchers with 1,000 innings pitched. His strikeouts per nine is 10.55. The guy right in front of him is Randy Johnson at 10.57. That's the company he's in. His career postseason ERA is a 146. And so for a lot of Nationals fans, there was the frustration with Strasburg with the injuries and at times in the regular season. But you knew when he took the mound in the postseason, the other team didn't have a chance. You think back to 2017, that series against the Cubs, and how dominant he was as a pitcher in that series, and how much he owned them. I mean, just absolutely owned them. Game one against the Cubs, seven innings, no earned runs. Game four, seven innings again, no runs. He gave up two in the first start, but they weren't earned, and struck out 22 over 14 innings. That's the kind of pitcher that Steven Strasburg was. And there's going to be so much other stuff thrown around with Steven Strasburg, and understandable. I get all of that. But don't forget those sort of things. And it all culminates with 2019 and winning World Series MVP, and we already went through that run. But just remember those things. I understand the contract over the next couple of years is going to be something that gets discussed. And I understand all of the things that go with that. It's unfortunate, no doubt. But just remember 2019 and the fun and the fact that this team wouldn't have been there if they didn't have Steven Strasburg. And just think about all the good that he's done for the organization. And I really hope, for Steven's case, for Steven's sake, that he gets that chance at Nationals Park. It'd be great if it is that night that he holds the press conference, that he comes out and he gets a big cheer and a standing ovation and the the stands are packed and they want to see Steven Strasburg another time at Nationals Park to kind of say goodbye as a player before eventually he comes back and has his number retired. But I, I hope for his sake that fans appreciate him, cheer him, and then also for him, I hope that he can find a way to get back to just living a normal life. Being a husband, a dad, going about living his everyday life without having to worry about pain in his right arm because that's not something he can do right now. And 
it, it's just a shame that he laid it all on the line for this team and he can't live a normal life afterwards. So hopefully he can get that all figured out. But I, I really, I think Nationals fans do appreciate what Strasburg did. But I hope you take a step back as we go through these next couple of weeks and when he finally announces it and they hold that press conference and just appreciate what he did for the organization. He's a guy that put them on the map and he's a guy that was a big part of the reason this team has a banner from 2019. He's a big reason why we as fans got to enjoy that run. And you remember all those moments. So just take a moment and think about all that Strauss has done before you bash him about various things or get frustrated with the contract and all the things. And I I get all those, but just remember all the good that he's done as well. I want to take a break from Strauss. I want to talk about Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo and their contracts. We'll do that next. I also want to talk about Shohei Otani, another guy that he was a He's, he was on pace to get the largest contract of all time. Is he still, though, with the injury? We'll talk about those things coming up next here in overtime on 106.7 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Overtime 106.7 The Fan. Toby Altizer with you up until 10 o'clock tonight. You can give us a call, 800-636-1067. You can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. Get out to the phone lines and bring in Chris in Damascus. Chris, what's going on? Hey, same thing with everybody else. Um, but Strasburg's my favorite. Yeah, but all those, what you guys are saying, everything, all that is there and more. Anyway, I hope with our conversations with Strauss, I hope we were... Remember the World Series, of course. Sure. And and just try to separate from the contract. Contractors business. We got lucky with Scherzer. Well, that was one of the best contracts ever signed in free agency. And this one, and it was a no-brainer too. I would have done exactly what the learners did because he was the one 
to sign or resign. You could not sign any of them. Now could you? So you had to sign one. And um, then here, here's some uh, easy noise. If we go ten and two tonight, and it's terrible about Stone Garrett. He, we were roll, we're rolling, we're still rolling. Mm-hmm. Looks like we might need another outfielder, boys. Come, you know, if we go, you know, if we stay hot through to the beginning of September. Or are you what wanting? You are you wanting to push for something here, or what? what um, that's all on you, Tubby. I love you guys. Keep up the good work. I'll let you just jump with that, and anything else, I'll be listening. Appreciate it, Chris. Yeah, the Nationals right now are playing super well. Let me find the numbers again. I was talking about it earlier doing updates. They've won nine out of their last 12. Since the All-Star break, they're 23 and 15. And I think this is a big reason why you're seeing these extensions for Davey Martinez and hopefully Mike Rizzo here soon. You know, I know there was some consternation about whether it's going to get done or not. Barry Sferluga was on with Grant and Danny, and they asked him about it at the end of the interview as they were talking about Strasburg and he kind of put to bed any rumors that maybe he goes to the White Sox. He thinks he ends up back. So if you're a little bit worried about that, maybe go check that out again on the Odyssey app, Rewind, or check out the podcast. But with Davey Martinez and Mike Rizzo, I, I think that they deserve the chance to see this thing through. And we talked about this on Bust and Loose Baseball, Grant Paulson and I. You can check it out on the Odyssey app. It might be have been a time to move on from Davey Martinez. There might have been a time to do that, but I don't think it's right now. Maybe it was a couple of years ago. Maybe it's after that 21 season. Maybe. I still don't think it was then. And maybe it's going to be in two years from now after his current contract that he just signed expires. Maybe it's one of those two times, but right now is not the time to do it. And the analogy we use that I think makes a lot of sense is you gave these two guys the opportunity to paint you a picture, the rebuild, and the picture's looking good so far, so let them finish the picture. At the end of it, if it sucks, all right, see ya. We'll start over. But if it goes through and keeps going like it is, then let them finish the thing and see how it looks. And so that's why I like the idea of bringing them back. Again, I've talked about this with Davey Martinez I'm not a huge fan of the way that he manages in-game at times. I think that his pitching decisions leave a lot to be desired. I think that overall, when you think about that 2019 season, I wasn't a huge fan of the way that he managed. The thing that he was best at was keeping the morale high, keeping the guys motivated, keeping them from giving up. You know, that's something that you look at some other teams that don't have that sort of thing, and it can just implode. Look at the Chicago White Sox over the last couple of years. They have a lot of talent, and they haven't done anything, and it's in part because the clubhouse has been a disaster. And it isn't necessarily managerial decisions that have just taken them down. It's the fact that in the clubhouse, it's just awful. Players don't play hard. Players feel unmotivated. Players are fighting. Those sort of things go on. And that's something that very well could have happened in 2019 at 19 and 31. Not to say that there was going to be people throwing punches and all the various things that have happened inside that White Sox clubhouse, but people could have started to look around and be like, that dude's not carrying his weight. That dude's not doing his his job. Maybe that guy's going to get traded. Am I going to get traded? You could have started looking around and getting distracted with all these things, but they stayed locked in and motivated, and they turned it around. And so Davey did a fantastic job that season of doing that. 
And then I think in the postseason, he did a really good job of managing the pitching staff. But it's also a very unique way to manage the pitching staff where they essentially only trusted a handful of pitchers and they just had to find ways to get them out there. And three of them were starters in Corbin, Scherzer, and Strasburg. And they were using them in any way possible. Out of the bullpen, starting them, using them for an inning on what would be their bullpen day, but they'd pitch it live in a game. You know, like the way that they managed the bullpen during 2019, totally different than what you're going to see out of a manager basically ever. Like the way that he had to manage in 2019 was spectacular and he did a great job with it. He's never going to have to manage like that again, I bet. So I just am not a huge fan of him in game as a manager. But how could you look at this season and think about the success that you've seen? I mean, right now, where the Nationals sit, they're two wins behind the Yankees. Two. They're tied with the Mets and the standings. That's where they're at. And I understand both of those teams have disappointed, but they haven't disappointed to the fact that they are the worst team in baseball. Like, they're still somewhat respectable, and the Nationals are keeping up with them. And the Nationals are going to blow past the 65 wins that I projected. Looking at them right now, they have a chance to win 70-plus games, and if they play really well the way that they have over the last couple of weeks and since the All-Star break, there's a chance they could get, I wouldn't say two 500, but they could get to 75-ish wins somewhere around there, which would have been outlandish to think about at the beginning of the season. And so the reason that I don't mind the idea of bringing back Davey Martinez, even though I'm not necessarily his biggest fan as a manager at times, I really like the guy, and I love the way that he conducts himself in the clubhouse and has the guys playing. I'm just not a fan of some of his in-game decisions, is look at the progress you've seen this year. Look at the progress this team has shown just this season as it's gone on. Not even looking at the progress it's made from this season from last season. Last season was a disaster watching this team. It was hard to watch. It was a chore. As people that cover the team, it wasn't easy. It wasn't something you wanted to turn on. It was something you had to turn on because it was part of the job, but it wasn't something you wanted to. Now, this team is fun to watch. Walk-offs, hitting home runs. CJ today, he, uh, <laughs> he let them know about that home run he hit today. And I agree with Davey to maybe try to sell him Maybe you don't show them up that much. But how cool is it that the Nationals are doing that sort of stuff again? The stuff that Harper did, where other teams would get ticked off. But it was cool. It was swag. This team hasn't had that in a couple of years. They've got it again. C.J. Abrams, balling out. That's the kind of stuff that is cool about this season for the Nationals. And that's why I think it's smart. Hopefully they get this Rizzo deal done soon. I think it's smart to keep those things intact because you're going somewhere. They're obviously on a clear path. They see the finish line, or at least you hope they see a finish line, where you've got Cruz coming up in the next year or so. You've got James Wood coming up in the next year or so. Hopefully Brady House is lumped in there as well. You've got so many guys that are coming up to add into the big league club, and Rizzo has done a fantastic job of rebuilding these things, and we bash his draft record, and understandably so, because... The reason that the Nationals are in the spot that they're in is they didn't draft well for year after year after year. And that is definitely a downfall of Mike Rizzo, but he's hit on a couple of his last few draft picks. Cade Cavalli, still to be determined, but it looks like a guy that could be a number three in the rotation, maybe even better. 
but you know, probably somewhere around three, maybe fourth in the rotation. You have a guy in Brady House that when he's been healthy, all he's done is hit. A guy that's already at the double A level and hitting over three hundred there. Dylan Cruz looks like a home run pick, although I mean I, I don't know how much credit you want to give to Mike Rizzo on that, but credit to him for at least getting Dylan Cruz, not making some stupid decision and taking someone else, even though it might be easy. Elijah Green, there's some questions there. But then even after that, Bennett's a great pitcher that's shown that he can be someone that can help out fill out the back end of the rotation. Jake Irvin surprised you a little bit this year. I didn't expect him to be anything more than maybe a a long relief guy, and he's turned into a solid fifth starter for this team. Trey Lipscomb is a guy that they drafted later on, and he's tearing the cover off the ball. Dalen Lyle. All those kind of things are going on for the Nationals right now that weren't happening before. And so I understand the fact that he struggled during the years when they were contending to draft guys and to really bolster the farm system, but I'm okay with that because he was making moves to trade a lot of the top guys. Lucas Giolitos, Jesus Lizardos, those kind of guys. He was moving them out to improve the team at the time. Now, the reason that the Nationals fell into the hole they're in now compared to a team like the Dodgers or the Braves or teams that have moved players to increase is they haven't drafted as well. So I understand that. But when you look at where they're headed now over just the last couple of seasons, I think both of those guys have earned it because when you turn on the television at night to watch the Nationals, who are the guys you're paying attention to and checking the box score the next day to see how they did? C.J. Abrams, Caber Ruiz, Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray. All those guys are acquired in trades that Rizzo's made over the last two years where he understood that we can't make this work with these guys. It's time to rebuild. And so credit to him for making those decisions because we're going to talk about Shohei Otani here in just a couple of minutes. And I understand that a lot of the reason he didn't get traded is probably ownership, but the Nationals could have been sitting here in a spot where they're looking at Strasburg on the shelf, where they're looking at Soto playing at an MVP level with nothing around him and winning 60 games and having Scherzer leave and Turner stick around. It would have been fun to watch those guys. I understand that, but it doesn't do you any good if you're not winning anything. And so credit to Mike Rizzo for looking at it and saying, this isn't going to work the way that we have the farm system configured. We have to move on. And they moved on, and now you have some hope built back into this franchise that I think next season they could be around 500. If things everything went well, they could maybe make a playoff berth. And the year after that, 2025, I think there's a realistic chance that they could be competing for a wild card spot. And again, if everything goes well, maybe trying to compete with the Braves to win the division. There's hope again with this baseball team. So I think you got to let these guys try it out and see what happens. And I think it's smart to do the two years, third year club option, because by 2025, if things aren't going the right direction, then yeah, it's probably time to move on because by 2025, Cruz, Wood, House, all those guys should be in the big leagues. All those guys should be working their way towards something. Hopefully by then you're spending some money in free agency to buy guys and bring them in and help out bolster this team to get to a World Series again. But if they're not doing that, then fine. Move on from Davey Martinez. Move on from Mike Rizzo. But I like the idea that in the midst of a rebuild, they both have a clear plan. Davey's done a good job of going from a World Series manager to a guy that is helping out the young guys because that's what he's best at is making sure morale's high, encouraging guys, letting him continue to do that while Mike Rizzo looks ahead at what his plan was and continues to go that way 
I think it's smart to keep some continuity there. Why would you look at a team that is very much so overachieved this season? Very much so. Why would you look at that and think the thing that we need to change is the general manager and the manager of the baseball club? I don't think that would make any sense. So I like the idea of keeping the guys around. Maybe you disagree. 800-636-1067. You can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. I do want to take a break from the Nationals, though. We'll get into football coming up at 8 o'clock. But I want to talk about Shohei Otani. Some big news coming out that he tore his UCL. He's going to probably need Tommy John surgery. What does that mean for Shohei, and what does that mean for baseball? We'll talk about that next here on The Fan. Welcome back, 106.7 The Fan. Overtime, Toby Altizer with you up until 10 o'clock tonight. I want to get into some Shohei Otani discussion because we had news overnight that Shohei Otani has a torn UCL in his pitching elbow, which that usually means you need Tommy John surgery. He's going to get a second opinion on that. I would assume he's probably going to need Tommy John, which would be the second Tommy John surgery he's had. His first Tommy John was in 2018. He had the surgery on October 1st of that year. He returned to pitching again in July of 2020, a year and 10 months, just under a year and 10 months after he had the surgery. He returned to hitting, though, May 7th of 2019, so just over seven months from the time that he had the surgery. And if you think about Bryce Harper and what he did last year, he played throughout the postseason with the torn UCL. He had Tommy John over the offseason, and then he was back hitting, and he's playing first base now, so he doesn't have to throw as much like he did in the outfield, and he's already back to playing. His timeline was just over five months. He had the surgery November 23rd, and then he was back playing May 3rd. So, you know, Shohei is going to be a free agent this offseason. He can still come in and hit wherever he's going to go play. It might not be to start the season, but he can come in and hit, theoretically, at least by the end of May, June, at the latest July, I would think. So it'll be interesting to watch, but with... Shohei Otani, this is a guy that you were looking at possibly getting $600 million in his next contract, maybe more. That was going to be the crazy part about this contract for Shohei is you usually have like a baseline understanding of where guys are going to go and how much they're going to get paid. Like Machado getting $300 million, like we kind of understood that was going to be kind of the range. Bryce Harper getting the 300 plus million. We understood that was kind of the range that he was going to go because the Nationals were offering that and other teams. Like, we understood kind of the range of possibilities for how much they could get paid, or at least in a general area. With Shohei, we had no idea. You could speculate all you want, but this guy is the ultimate unicorn of all unicorns in baseball. We had no idea. We've never seen anyone like this guy. This is a guy that goes out there and pitches every fifth day and then goes out and hits 40 and 50 bombs. This is a guy that's chasing Aaron Judge's record for the American League home run mark this season while he was pitching every fifth day. And he'd had some issues over the last couple of months, which maybe the Angels should have seen coming with the Tommy John now. Maybe, but they said that there were no concerns about the elbow before, no complaints about his elbow before so who knows but before 
you were looking at a guy that was pitching every fifth day and was pitching pretty well, and a guy that was hitting like no one else in Major League Baseball. I think when you look at the top hitters in all of Major League Baseball right now, Shohei's probably number one. Maybe you can make the argument for Aaron Judge in the American League because of how well he's hit, and especially the National Series hitting four home runs in the series. And when he's been healthy, he's been spectacular. Obviously, last season, spectacular. And then early this season, before he got hurt at Dodger Stadium, he was just as good, if not better. And then on the National League side, Ronald Acuna is just ridiculous. Freddie Freeman has somehow gotten better, and Mookie Betts is hitting for power now. So maybe you could talk about those guys, but none of them are Shohei Otani. None of them. Because Shohei Otani also can go out there and pitch to a three ERA, which is just absolutely absurd. And so if any of those other guys were to hit free agency, we'd understand that they're going to get in the 300, 400. Maybe if it's a guy like Acuna and he's younger, could look at somewhere around 500 million. But I still think that that's a little far-fetched. I mean, what's Soto going to get in a couple of years? You'd think somewhere 350, 400 million, somewhere around there. You can kind of gauge those guys. We've never seen a guy like Shohei Otani. And so when a team looks at him and says, yeah, we can bring in our ace, because he can be the best pitcher on your staff. We can bring in our ace. Oh, and by the way, he's going to be the best hitter on the baseball team. It's like adding, I don't even know how you, you can't even describe it. It'd be like the Nationals adding Juan Soto and Max Scherzer in the same guy. So how much would you be willing to pay? The Nationals were willing to pay a lot for Max Scherzer, and they were willing, you know, from a lot of accounts, maybe not matching the number that Soto wanted, but were willing to pay a lot for Juan Soto as well. So you combine those guys, of course you're going to get to a number you've never seen before. $600 million was what you were expecting. But what does it mean now? Jim Bowden, former GM, also writes for The Athletic, does a bunch of things with the media now. He tweeted this out. He said, How significant is the Otani injury to his free agent value? He would have received approximately, again, I think he could have even got more than this, but he says 10 years, $550 million. He'll now, as a hitter, get about 10 for 400 with a player opt-out after the 2025 season. So if he can return to being a two-way player, he can go back into free agency then. That's something that's intriguing because if you throw something like that out there, maybe there's a possibility more teams could be in on him. They can't do the 10 for 400, but could you do, I don't know, 2 for 70, 2 for 80? Maybe if you want to get a little frisky, 2 for 85, 90? Like, I, I think a team, if they really wanted to, could find a way to do something like that. And that's where it gets interesting with Otani because how quickly can he get back to pitching? If he can get back to pitching on a normal time frame and he can get back to the level of pitching that he's shown, then maybe you go ahead and give him the $600 million because, like I said, you're signing essentially two players in one. And generally, I don't like that sort of argument, but you really are because now with the new rules, with the designated hitter, and really the Otani rule that he can stay in as DH even if you pull him out as a pitcher, he can still hit every single day, and he can pitch every fifth day, and they can work with each other just fine. And so you're looking at a guy that really is two players in one. And if you're willing to pay 200 maybe $300 million for a pitcher, and you're willing to pay $300 million for a hitter, well, you're paying for both of them, that's $600 million. 
And that's where it gets crazy with Otani because what team is going to look at this and say, we want him to come back and pitch? What team is going to look at this and say, you know, see, this is what we were worried about. Can you just join us and be a hitter? Maybe, maybe if you show us that you can be a guy that can still pitch, maybe we'll let you, but most part, we just want you to be a hitter because that's the thing here. Shohei getting hurt as a pitcher is one thing, but losing him as a bat is probably more important because he's still going to hit for the Angels, which I don't quite understand why, but do they have a chance of maybe bringing him back because he's not going to get as much? I don't know. It's intriguing. We'll continue talking about Shohei Otani. What do you think? Does he get a little bit less money? How long is it going to take? Does him pitching and hitting at the same time hurt some of his development and coming back and rehab? 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines. We'll continue talking about Shohei next. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Toby Altizer with you here on Overtime on 106.7 The Fan. Taking you up until 10 o'clock this evening. Appreciate you guys hanging out. 800-636-1067. You want to hop in on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. You can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. Coming up in just a couple of minutes at 8 o'clock, I want to start talking about the Commanders. I think their offense is going to look a little bit different than it has in preseason. Matter of fact, I think it's going to look a lot different. Some things that I they really haven't shown that we've seen throughout training camp. We'll talk about that as well as a little concerned about the defense and some of the things that they have shown in the preseason. We'll talk about that as well coming up at 8 o'clock. But I want to wrap up this discussion on Shohei Otani and baseball in general. And this is where it gets interesting with Shohei. Is the hitting something that he can still do while he's trying to rehab the arm while he's pitching? You know, with Bryce Harper, it's a guy that he came back. He wasn't able to play the outfield, but they could put him at first base. And he doesn't have to make as many throws. And a lot of the throws that he makes, when you think about a first baseman, a lot of the stuff he can do underhand. And it's stuff that isn't going to put the the stress on your arm like throwing overhand does. And so a lot of the tosses to the pitcher covering the bag when he needs to make a play. He doesn't have to do anything overhand there. He just flips it there. And so he was able to come back a little bit earlier just as a hitter, and he was fine. But think about Shohei and what he does and what makes him probably the most special baseball player of all time. It's the fact that he pitches as well as hits like he does. And so I might sign Shohei Otani if I'm a team, if I'm the Dodgers, or even if he signs back with the Angels, or who knows where he might go, the Cubs, something like that. I might spend the money on him and hope that I can get him back as a hitter, say, in June, but how does him hitting every single day affect his development and rehab as a pitcher. 
it's got to do something, right? Like, you can't be working out your arm every day and trying to get it back in perfect form and making sure it's healthy and making sure all the things are working well when you're trying to work in the cage and get your reps in and batting practice and all the various things you have to do as a hitter. It's already ridiculous what he's able to do, much less when he's trying to rehab from an injury and get back from it. And I understand that he's already had to do this once before, but that Shohei in 2018 when he had the surgery and when he returned in 2019 to hit and 2020 to pitch, that wasn't the Shohei we're seeing now. Shohei back then was still spectacular. Shohei could do both things, but he wasn't the guy that's winning MVPs yet. Now he's the best hitter in Major League Baseball, in my opinion, and a top 15 pitcher. And if you have to trade off being a top 15 pitcher to stay a hitter, I'd be fine with that if I'm a franchise, but I can't give you $600 million. I just can't. I can't give you 550. I'd put you in the same range as the other guys, the Soto and those guys. Because at that point, you're just another hitter. But I think he's going to try to get back to pitch. And can he regain that top 15 pitcher type form? Some people have him top 10, some top 5. I think stuff-wise, you could say he's top 5. But can he get back to that form? There's just so many questions with this for Shohei, and it's so disappointing because I was excited to see how much money he could possibly get and who was going to be willing to shell it out and what did it mean for baseball going forward. You know, guys are going to come up for free agency and they're going to understand they're not Shohei, but it's going to raise the bar of how much these guys could get. And I just was excited to see what he was going to get and where he was going to go. And how does that hamper it now? If you're looking at something where he's going to have an opt-out after two years like Jim Bowden laid out, then it's going to be looked at as a two-year contract because he's the best hitter in baseball right now. And to only sign him for two years, it'll be a fun two years, but he's probably opting out at the end of that. And so where would he go that would be willing to do that sort of thing? And the other thing, too, while the numbers might be astronomical that you have to pay Shohei Otani, assuming he can get back on the mound, it pays for itself in a lot of ways because you know how many people are going to buy jerseys of Shohei Otani wherever he goes? I think the only team that doesn't get the bump is the Angels, and that's because he's already with the Angels, and they've already seen that bump. But could you imagine if he signs with the Dodgers or the Cubs or wherever he might go, how many Shohei Otani jerseys you're going to see of that new team and how many people cover just Shohei Otani? Look at the All-Star game in Seattle this year. And look at the crowds that follow around the players. Everyone's calling for Mookie Betts. They're calling for various guys. But then there's another crowd, and it's the Shohei Otani crowd. And it's way bigger than any of the other players. It's because he's a worldwide superstar. He is. Japanese reporters following him around. Japanese fans following him around. They won the World Baseball Classic. So he's much bigger than probably any other baseball star you're going to sign. Bryce Harper has that sort of cachet, but he doesn't have it for two countries. He doesn't have it for America and anywhere else. Shohei has it for here. He has it for Japan, and he has it worldwide. And so wherever you sign him, he's going to get, that team's going to get a bump. And so I don't think it's a terrible idea to pay him a lot of money, unlike some of these other places, because I think you can can recoup some of it. 
with Shohei. But that's something that's going to be intriguing. It's disappointing news for baseball, really, that he goes down with a torn UCL. He's still going to hit the rest of the year for the Angels, they say. I think that's a little bit crazy. I understand that Shohei's nice and loyal, and that's cool, but I don't think he owes the Angels anything at this point. I wouldn't be hitting if I were him. But we'll continue to see with that. But it's going to be something to monitor throughout the offseason. How long until Shohei gets the surgery? How long till he can be back? And how much money is he going to get? We'll get to see that. All right, let's take a break from baseball. When we come back, I want to get into the Commanders. I want to talk about their offense. I think they're going to look drastically different in the regular season than what we've seen in preseason. Not crazy to think, but what differences could we see? We'll talk about it next during overtime. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 